Hey, welcome to Emmaus. If you missed last week's message, want to re-listen, or you're just tuning in, we hope this recording is a blessing to you. As always, you can find out more about Emmaus at peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. Awesome. Hey, everyone. My name's John. I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Peace. Know a lot of you, so don't know some of you, so great to meet you guys. Be, be happy to chat and get to know you a little bit better later this evening. But uh, thanks for the privilege of getting to teach tonight. It's my pleasure to get invited by Logan to do that. So thanks for letting me hang out with you tonight. Uh, I'm going to introduce our topic a little bit, and then we'll open uh, the text and get to look at it. But uh, Logan asked me to speak tonight on toxic friendship. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the, uh, the first thing I did is I looked back at Logan and I said, what in the world is toxic friendship? That's a new phrase to me. Obviously, all of you are looking at me like I'm crazy, so it's not a new phrase to you. But uh, this was a new phrase to me when he shared this with me. So uh, I, did my, I did my homework, I did my cultural research, watched some YouTube videos, and learned a little bit about toxic friendship. But I'd love to hear you guys' definition before I start talking about it. Does anybody mind sharing what you think is the definition of a toxic friendship? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's really good. Doesn't grow you as a person. Others? Somebody brings up the worst parts of you. Yeah. Somebody over here. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the word toxic is like radioactive, right? Poisonous, super bad for you, awful for you. Uh, and so as I uh, thought about that idea of toxic friendship, I thought of a question, and, I, and you don't have to answer this question out loud, but this is the question I really want to think about tonight. This is the main idea I want to work on. The question is this, why would you stay in a toxic friendship? Why would you stay in a toxic friendship? So I think there's lots of practical things you could talk about, right? I actually uh, got online, Googled this, looked at some different things. Everybody is talking about this. Did you know WebMD has articles for you on toxic friendship? That's, that's intense. WebMD gets into this topic. Uh, so there's all kinds of practical advice out there about how to like break up with a friend or, or that kind of stuff. But instead of that, I want to talk about the one thing that you can control or the one thing that you can affect, and that's not the other person, it's yourself, right? You know that if you have a friend who is toxic— you can't change their behavior. You can't change the way they think. You can't change the way they talk. You can't change their heart. The only thing you can do is work on your own heart, right? Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So I want to open to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah, Old Testament prophet, speaking to God's broken people, not too different from you and I. Jeremiah 17, 1 through 8, and I want to read it. Then I'll uh, talk about it a little bit, and then you guys are going to get to break into groups and dig into it even further. Let me read it for you. Jeremiah chapter 17. Here we go. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. While their children remember their altars and their asherim beside every green tree and on the high hills, on the mountains in the open country. Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, 
And I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger, a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We'll stop right there. Let me pray real quick, and we'll keep going. Father God, pray that you would open up our hearts to hear your word. Pray that you would uh, help me as a broken instrument to get to share. And God, I pray that as we break into groups also, that you would bless the conversation, that we would get to understand more what your word is saying, and that our hearts would be uh, pierced and challenged and encouraged. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, quick, uh, quick word of context here. Uh, what in the world's going on in the book of Jeremiah? So Jeremiah is, uh, is a prophet, and he's speaking to, so in the Old Testament, it's a story about the people of Israel and God's work with them. And uh, the people of Israel, unfortunately, as God's people, don't always follow God. They don't always listen to what he says. They live in sin, and they run away from him, and consequences happen. And one of those consequences is the nation of Israel gets split into two pieces. So you got the northern uh, part of Israel called Israel, and you got the southern part called Judah. And uh, you might have heard here in the text, uh, the prophet Jeremiah is in the southern kingdom of Judah, and he's preaching to those people. Uh, And so uh, around the time of Jeremiah, uh, Judah is coming to the end of its life. Uh, The nation itself is coming to the very end. So Jeremiah becomes a prophet during the reign of a king named Josiah. He's uh, the best, he's one of the best kings that Judah's ever had. He's really good, does some good stuff. And shortly into Jeremiah's time, Josiah dies, passes away, and then we have a series of really bad kings. Uh, And the, the nation of Judah does a few different things, right? They're supposed to trust God for their security and say, you know, we trust God, he's got us, he's in control, and we're not going to worry and try to go our own way, we're just going to follow him. But instead, they spend all of their time trying to find other people to prop them up. So they run to the nation of Egypt, and they say, Egypt, even though, you know, God forbid us from going to you for help, because you're, you're, some, uh, you're some bad folks over there, uh, they do it anyways. They go over there, and they, they're trying to create an alliance with Egypt, and then that doesn't work out for them, and so they go to Babylon and try to work with Babylon, and then they betray Babylon for some other countries. And Israel, or the nation of Judah and Israel spend all of their time trying to prop themselves up, trying to lean on other nations for their security instead of the Lord. And Uh, the nation of Judah only lasts about 20 years into Jeremiah's preaching. And then the nation of Judah itself collapses, falls apart, and uh, uh, Jeremiah actually gets sent into exile with with some of his countrymen, and he spends the rest of his days preaching there in a pretty miserable situation. Fun background story, right? Good stuff. Fun, exciting. So let's get into what's, uh, what's going on in this text. Look with me at the beginning of Jeremiah 17. And I want to just set you guys up for some discussion about the text and also analyzing your own hearts here in a few minutes. So if you look at the beginning there, it says the sin of Judah. All right, so the nation of Judah, what's their sin? It's written with a pen of iron with a point of diamond engraved on the tablet of their heart. If you had to imagine, what do you think a pen of iron or a point of diamond is used to write upon? Like paper or something else? Stone, yeah, yeah, you guys got it. So the, the sort of illustration or the analogy, the picture that Jeremiah is trying to paint in our minds is that the people of Judah have a heart of stone. 
People of Judah have a heart of stone. It takes a pen of iron. It takes a point of diamond to write on there. It's the tablet of their heart. Their hearts are stone. It's hard towards God. Uh, it goes on to say, um, Their children remember their altars and their asherim beside every green tree and on the high hills. Um, does anybody know what the, uh, what the asherim are? Anybody know what an Asherah pole is? You ever heard that phrase before? Get into some Old Testament uh, history stuff here. So it's a, it's a place where people would worship an idol. And uh, this, is, uh, this is like above PG-13 rated. So I'm gonna, uh, but I'm going to tell you, this is, it's in the Bible. So uh, an Asherim, does anybody know what an Asherim actually looks like? What the, the symbolism is, the idea? Has Logan shared this with you yet? He hasn't. Yeah, that was actually, okay. Well, I'm not going to give any pictures or anything, but uh, Asherah poles were actually um, a large male genitalia um, that they would gather around, worship, and do lots of nasty, bad things in front of, and that was a part of their cultic worship. So this is evil, awful sin of the heart because they're turning against God towards idols, but it's also just plain gross, right? This is, this is uh, on multiple levels a bad thing, right? Um, so their hearts and even their bodies, their whole thing, they're going against the Lord. It says all over the place, right? Beside every green tree on the high hills and in the open country. So whether the ground is high, whether it's flat, or whether it's got trees on it, you guys are doing this bad idolatry stuff is what he's saying. So consequences come in the next sentence there. Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price for your high place of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. So he says there's a consequence for your sin. It's that I'm going to give away your wealth. Verse 4, you shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you. You're going to lose the land. The land was Israel's heritage. I will make sure you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. That's the exile that I was just telling you about a second ago. And then we get into verse 5 through 8, which I would say is sort of the underlying problem that the prophet Jeremiah is addressing in the people and really the idea that we're talking about tonight. Verse 5, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength. Uh, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. So as we think about the idea of toxic friendship, what is really the problem in toxic friendship? Like The problem is that we choose to lean on, we choose to trust in, we choose to... Uh, fear, maybe be another word. We desire the approval of people who we shouldn't. Um, another word might be, there's all kinds of different words we could use to talk about this. One of the words the Bible uses is fear of man. That word fear might seem backwards. You say, well, I'm not afraid of my friends. But sort of fear and desire are flip sides of the same thing, right? If you want somebody's approval, it means that you fear their disapproval. So wanting something and fearing something are actually two, two sides of the very same coin. Uh, I don't know if anybody here identifies, does anybody here identify themselves as a people pleaser? Let me, uh, I saw a few hands. Thank you for the honesty. You are all wonderful people for your honesty. Let me ask another question, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm raising my hand already for this question. How many of you get a little nervous when you have to speak in front of a group of people? Okay, now you didn't realize it, but that means that you all are people pleasers. Boom. Mic drop. Because if you get nervous in order to stand in front of a group of people, you know what that means? That means that you care what they think. That means that you want their approval. They want, you want them to like you. So you are actually a people pleaser, though you do not know it. 
All right, and that's what the Bible calls fear of man. We want uh, people's approval. We fear their disapproval. And so we do certain things. Verse 5 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, or who, or who fears a man, or who wants his approval, or who puts all of his hopes, his dreams, his securities in a human being. All right, and the rest of verse 5 says that that's the opposite of following the Lord. It says, whose heart turns away from the Lord. All right, and then it gives some imagery to kind of describe that. I'm going to jump down to verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Okay, so the contrast is you can either trust people or you can trust God. All right, the nation of Judah wanted to trust in Egypt. They wanted to trust in Babylon. They ran to other people for their security, and God is saying, no, 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 you should have just came to me. And I think what I'm saying is that when, when I think about the idea of toxic friendship, I think you can't control that other person and what they do, but you can control your own heart. Why do you stay in the friendship? Why do you stay in the relationship? Well, the real problem is your own heart, isn't it? The real problem is that you're saying, I know this isn't good. I know I should probably get out of this, but I care too much about what that person thinks. Or I'm afraid to be lonely, so I'm going to stick with this person who's bad for me. Or I'm afraid of being alone the rest of my life. I'm going to stay in this uh, other kind of relationship that, is, that isn't good for me because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid of what my other friends will think if I abandon this relationship. I'm afraid this person will hurt me if I, in a, emotionally or physically, if I abandon this relationship. All of these things come back to fear or idolatry or desire for something more than God, right? We're trusting in a person for our identity, for us being whole instead of trusting in God. You follow me? Does that, does that make sense to you guys? Awesome. I'm excited for you guys to get to talk in groups further about how that applies specifically in your lives. So I got some questions here for you. Um, and also, as I, uh, are you guys running the slides? Go ahead. You guys rock. You're doing great. Thank you. We've got uh, some questions here for you guys to talk about in groups, but also a quick plug. Um, I could talk for a long time about this, but I'm going to just, this is a book. It's called When People Are Big and God is Small. Does that title make sense? You know, when people are big, that's kind of what we're talking about. People are bigger than God. When people are big and God is small. This book, like, I, I like, cried my way through this book. This book uh, sort of analyzed me from the inside out. You know, it saw, it saw all of my failures and my sins and identified them and helped me turn to Jesus instead of to people uh, for things. So I would just recommend this to you. This, this is an awesome book. It'll, it'll change your heart, I think, in this, in this category, so... Uh, Logan, anything else I should say before we head off to groups and do some discussing? Oh, yeah, you want me to pray and then we'll send off into groups? Cool, yeah, I would love to do that. Um, encourage you guys in your groups to identify, look at the text and then look at your own hearts. Michael, are you going to say something? This one? God did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Ed Welch. Ed Welch. <laughs> Ed Welch. Awesome. Let me, let me pray. Father God, thank you for your word and the way that it reads us even more than we read it, the way that it sees into our hearts, peers into um, our deepest desires and fears and longings. Um, so God, I pray now that you would, your word would do just that and it would open up our hearts and um, Help us to understand you more. Help us to understand ourselves 
and that, God, you would free us from relationships and dependencies that are unhealthy for us and that it would turn us to a full and complete dependency on you, God. Um, pray that we'd, you'd help us all to be open with each other as we talk and bless all of our conversations. Thank you, Father. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.